Okay. Um, we're at the Mishnah Lamadala Domadala, third line. Okay. Everyone got it? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. now the first part you'll see is in brackets because really what the Mephoshim say is it really belonged to the previous Mishnah. And it says as follows. Somebody who says that the only the good ones should bless you, that is heresy. Now, the, the, first of all, the meaning of that is this. Why is it considered heresy? Because it implies only good people should dub to Hashem. Whereas we say, you know, the wicked should also be included in the congregation. In fact, I once heard that the word sibor, I don't know if it's a joke or if it's serious, but the word sibor is an acronym for Sadikim, mm-hmm. Benonim, or Roshoim. So, but it's true. In a tibur, you've got all types of people. So, you know, even the people who are not Sadikim also need to dub and So therefore, that's why it's considered heresy. Now, well, we say they call Nidre, don't we? On, um, sorry? We say the beginning of Kol Nidre. Um, it's probably in... Um, Avarayonim. Avarayonim. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, um, the question is why, why it was in the last week, why, why they say it should have been in the last Mishnah is, because if you remember the last Mishnah, we said, if we silence him because it's, it's like as if you're praying to two gods. So it's, it's, you're, you're, you're being a heretic. So here as well, this thing about heresy, also really fitted into the last mission. That's why it's in brackets. Okay, now we come to the mission of proper. Over the now table, somebody who is a cousin, the tot, and he makes a mistake. Now, Rashi explains what is the mistake. He skipped out a brocha. Okay, so he suddenly, and he realized at a later stage. So, for example, he, he comes to Shmakaleno, and he suddenly realized that he missed out Rafaenu. Then, and he's at a situation, bear in mind that in those days they didn't have a siddha, and therefore he's too confused to be able to go back to Rafa'enu. He just, he's got himself into a tizwaz there, and he can't go back to it. Can't go back to the, the brocha that he missed out. Then Yava Achatachtov, another person should take his place, you get a second cousin. And this second one should not hesitate. Because even though we will learn in the Gemara shortly sort of what is the procedure for when the Gabba comes to you, whether you should sort of accept immediately or not. But here we say he should definitely not hesitate because there's a hefzit. You're in the middle of Shemana Esra and we don't want there to be too long of a delay. So don't start sort of chachmas then, just go straight to it and do it. Uh, now, Mahechon Hu Maschel. So the second cousin who takes over... Where does he start from? Where does he go back to? So it says the Gemara, Mitzchila Habrocha Shetazeh. He goes back to the beginning of the Brocha that the first one left out. And Rashi explains, and then he continues from there. So taking our, extending our example, we say like this. The first Chazan suddenly dubbed Shmakaleinu, and he remembered he forgot Rufa'enu. And he sort of was too confused to go back. Then a second person acts as Chazan, goes back to Rafa'enu and davens from there onwards. All right, that's what the mission is saying.
the conditions must have been very different there. That wouldn't happen in monks, would it? You'd skip a brocker. Very unlikely. <laughs> very unlikely. I don't think, you, I don't think you, you'd get away with a lot less, I can tell you. Now, um, I've been left now table. Somebody, again, who acts as a cousin. He, the cousin should not say Omen after the Kainan. Now, Rashi explains what that means is like this. You know that Sibyl always say Omen at the end. The Birchus Kainan consists of three Pesukim. Yivarecha Hashem Bishmerecha, one Pesuk. Yahashem Ponovelecha Bichoneka, Pesuk 2. And Yisra Hashem Ponovelecha Bichoneka, Pesuk 3. Now, take the first Pesuk, you say Yivarecha Hashem Bishmerecha. At that point, when the Kainim say that, the Sibba say Omein. So we're saying the Chazam should not say Omein. And Rashi explains why. Because he has got to say the next word. He, in other words, he says Yivarecha and the Kainim follow. He says Hashem, Yishmerecha and so on. Now, he's got to say after the Omein of Yishmerecha, he's got to go straight onto Yoyah. He's got to say Yoyah loud and the Kainim follow it. Now, if he says Omein to after Yishmarecha, and remember again, it's all without Sidurim, he might get confused and he will forget what the next word is, which is Yoya. And if there is no other kind other than himself, in other words, the only person who is a kind is a Shlech Sibur, the cousin, he should not do him. Right? And Rashi explains why. Because presumably he's facing, he's, he's facing the Omud. And then in order to Duchen, he will turn round. When he turns round and he sees all the Tzibah, how many people are there, he might get flustered. And therefore he will be unable to resume Shemoneser at the end of Duchening. So if he's the only one, he shouldn't. Now, before you ask me, is that the Halacha? The, the commissioner carries on. But if he's confident that he can do them and he faces the people and he will know exactly where to continue afterwards, then no problem, Rashi, it's perfectly okay. So, and, and the, uh, Mephoshim explained the same thing happens regarding the first part of the Mishnah or the middle part of the Mishnah, which, where we said that a Kayan should not answer Omein after the Yishmarecha and Bichodeka and so on. If he knows, if he has confidence in himself, that he will be able to answer Omein and then carry on to Yo'er, or Yisot, or whatever it is, then he can do that. But as we said before, bear in mind that we're talking about uh, a situation where they didn't have a Siddur, so it was easy to make these sort of mistakes. Nowadays you've got a Siddur, so none of that really applies. Right. Um, okay, so that's the Mishnah. Ton Rabonot. However, if now Teva, somebody who is asked to daven, the Gabba comes up to him and says, will you daven? Sarech or At first, he should refuse. Because, you know, as if to say, he's unworthy of that honor. They made him a Sarev. If he doesn't, and he immediately says yes, then he resembles a cooked food without being salted. In other words, he's a bit unrefined. Straight away, he goes. You know, so yesterday somebody said a very good joke at my hundred, at my uncle's hundredth birthday that somebody said, I only want to live till 119. They said, why? I said, I'm not greedy. 
<laughs> so here as well, don't be greedy. Don't straight away say yes. The Imasat, however, the Imasat, if you ask die, if he overdoes it and he, he refuses too much, then he resembles cooked food that has been over, over salted. In other words, don't go to extremes. Don't say, take it straight away and don't sort of uh, refuse it too much. Okay, so what should you do? Palmary Shana Yasari. There's a bit of a spiel here. First time he refuses. Now, Shnia Mahavev, the sort of second time he stirs himself as if he's sort of getting ready to think. Shlishi is Pasha Ragnar Biyari. Third time, whoops, goes straight to the Omad. Now, you should know all Gaboim know exactly whether a no is a no or a no is a yes. You know, <laughs> they know that a, the no is going to very, very quickly be followed by a yes. Or if it's a real no, they're, they're fully aware of this. Okay. Is this, can I ask you, I mean, is, is this halacha or is it just good yeah, advice? No, 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 no. This is, this is actually halacha. But the point is how much of a spiel do you want to make of it sort of thing? It is brought down. Uh, so some, somebody once said there's no mitzvah to make a gubba's life a, a misery. A misery, <laughs> exactly. But I'm saying a gubba, a gubba knows whether, you know, what, what, what's happening. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I think the point is like this, exactly. If, if you're asked and you're going to do it, you know, just get on with it and so stop spieling around sort of thing. It's just the idea that you shouldn't sort of push yourself forward sort of thing. Yes. So I think if a gabber asks you, I, I think it's all right. Um, any case, Ton Rabon, uh, we learned, Shlashi Rubin Koshim Utenyofen, the three things are bad in excess, but fine in moderation. But Elohain, and these are Sa'ar, yeast, because if you have too much yeast, it's no good, it makes the bread no good. Salt, as we said, too much salt spoils it. Well, Sarvonus and refusal, if you refuse too much, it's also no good, but in moderation, it's okay. And everything the Rambam always says, Derochem, sorry, middle way, don't, don't go extreme one way or extreme another way. Go the middle way, the normal, right in the center, and, uh, and you won't go wrong. Right. Now, carrying on, Omrav Huna, says Rav Huna, if we made a mistake and we made, and we omitted one of the brochas of the first three brochas. Remember, the first three brochas go up to Hashem So if you make a mistake and you miss out one of the brochas of the first three brochas, you don't go back just to the, the brocha that you missed out. You've got to go back to the beginning because it's considered one section. In other words, since all the three brochas, the three first brochas, there's a single theme of praising Hashem. Therefore, they're treated like a single bracha. And if so, if you make a mistake, you've got to go back to the beginning. Similarly, for MCRs, if you make a mistake and you miss out one of the middle brachas, then you've got to go back right to the beginning of the section, right to the first bracha of the middle section, which is Asachonen. Again, for the same reason, because it's also considered a single unit because it's, these are brochas where you're asking Hashem for your needs and therefore they're all considered ones. Therefore, even according to this price, so if you make a mistake in Shemakaleinu, you've got to go back to Asachonet. And similarly, Vachronus in the last one where we thank Hashem, we're taking leave. Again, it's all considered one section. So if you make a mistake, Chazal go back in the, the beginning to Ritzay. 
Rav Asi Omar, however, Rav Asi disagrees. He says, so you, I agree with the first three and I agree with the last three. But as far as the middle 13 are concerned, MCRs ain't the Seder. They've got no order. In other words, if you remember in the middle 13 brochas that you missed out one, you can say it where you are at the moment. So in our example of Shemakalenu, suddenly he remembers he, he missed out Rafa'enu. He says it there and then. He doesn't have to go back at all to Rafa'enu, but you can say it there and then when he remembers it. Yes. So that is the price of which Rafa'enu says. Now Rav Sheshis will ask a question from our Mishnah against this price of Rav Huna. Moser Rav Sheshis, Rav Sheshis asks a question from our Mishnah. In our Mishnah, we said like this, that if a person makes a mistake, we said like this, so even if now Teva, um, sorry, no, the first part, even if now Teva Toy made a mistake, he skipped out a brocha, then the second one's got to take over. Now the question was, where should you start from? He goes back to the brocha, which the first one skipped out. So in our example, he'll go back to Rafaino. Yes. From the beginning of the brocha that the first cousin forgot. Yes. yes. This yes. is a very big question against Rav Because yes. it implies that he does not have to begin from the beginning of the section. Rav yes. said, you've got to go back to Atachanin. And right. here we're saying from the Mishnah, it would appear that you don't have to go back to Atahayin, you just go back to the brocha that was missed out. will answer you, and you'll say, no. The middle brochas constitute a single brocha. So that when the Mishnah says that when he says he, the second one should begin from the beginning, from the bracha, that this one made him the same, when he says, it doesn't mean from the beginning of the bracha, but it means from the beginning of the section. Because it, since there's only one bracha as far as he's concerned, all 13 middle brachas in the middle are considered one bracha. Therefore, when it says you go back to the bracha, it really means you go back to the section. You go back to Atachayim. And so it fits in very well. So our Mishnah is not a steerer to Ravana. Um, Gerald? Yes. Um, I find, I mean, uh, at least at first blush, Rav uh, Ashi's um, argument more compelling than Rav Huna's because Rav Huna is redefining it, isn't he? He's sort of saying, whereas Rav Ashi is is just saying um, that you start from the beginning of the bracha that you missed out. it seems to me that um, that is not a redefinition, whereas yeah. Rav Kuna is stretching it. Well, Rav Asi doesn't quite say that. Rav Asi says you can say it where you're at when you suddenly remember it. You can say no, it there and then. You don't even have to go yeah. back to the brocha. That's exactly, yeah. yeah. Whereas Rav Kuna is, is a redefinition yeah. by saying it's all one yeah, brocha. It is, it is. But he's saying that when the Mishnah says the word brocha, it's not to be taken literally as brocha, but it's to be taken as section. You go back to the beginning of that bracha, and it's one big bracha, so you've got to go back to the beginning of that section. Yeah? The, the problem with Rav Kuna's view, yeah, I don't know if it's standard halakha, is that you may have to repeat brachas, yeah, that you already said. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because he's saying it's all just as if you skipped out a bracha, you've got to re-say the bracha, he says, since the 13 brochas are all one brocha, 
And since you skipped out, it's like you said only half a bracha, so therefore you have to say it again. Which is the normative view? Do you know? Sorry? What is the normative halakhic view? What, if you've missed it out? Yeah. Do, that I don't know. I don't know what, what the actual halakhic yeah. is. I'm not quite sure. Okay. Say, in, in GGBH, it wouldn't happen. Because we no. talked here about... No, no, but, but Clive, you're, Clive, yeah. your question would apply to the first three and the last three brochures as well, and that everybody agrees that you have to say the whole... Section, no, that yeah. is, it's the middle section, yeah, that I'm yeah. concerned about. Of course, the first three and the last three are self-evident. It's just the middle ones, yeah. Well, it's only self. It's not. It's only self-evident because you think it is. Because Rufuna is saying the middle thirteen are the same as the first. They've got the same din as the first three and the yeah. last three. Whereas so, Rufuna so says they. In other words, Rufuna is saying there's only three brachas in Shemun Esra. Well, it's three sections. Three yeah. sections. Yeah. yeah, but he considers it a bracha. It's for the first one, which is considered, which is subdivided into three. The middle one, which is subdivided into thirteen, and the last three, which is subdivided, and the last one, which is divided into three again. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what he says. So okay. Um, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, A person should never ask for his requests during the first three. It's not in the last three. It's only in the middle. Why? The Um, Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Hanina explains. Rishonis, the first three brochas, like a servant, who says words of praise to his master, before he makes any requests. And, and Sias, that's the way you do it. You don't go flying in and ask straight for the request. First you give Hashem praise, polite way of doing it, and then you ask and Sias, the middle one is Dharma Ebishem Avakish The middle brokers he's asking for his requests. And Achroinus, the last one, Dharma Ebishem Kibble Prasmerabba, he's already sort of, is received his sort of reply to his needs, as it were. And he's sort of, uh, he's taking leave and going on his way after expressing his gratitude. So we don't, um, so in the first three and in the last three, we don't ask, we don't uh, add in, we, we, we don't ask for our needs. Now, um, as we said last time, if I could draw your attention to Tosfus, which is uh, three lines from the bottom, he says, That only applies to an individual. But if it's communal, then we can ask, even in the first three and in the last three. And therefore, on Oymre, we say, is a request, isn't it? And then, and then in the end, what do we say in Sim Shalom? We say the same, um, uh, and we've yeah, just said yeah. that Gemara, you can't say it in the first three and the last three. So the answer yeah, is yeah. only be Yochid, you can't say it. And as an individual, but, but Sibur, you can. And it says, Krivitz, Piyutim. Imagine, Piyutim, it also comes, you know, Well, that's in the first three brochas. Mm. So therefore, how can you do it? The answer is, it's Sibur, it's not Yochid. What? Yeah. What's the difference? I mean, why? Yes. I suppose, I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but I presume the reason is because if something is civil, right, it's so important that you can even interrupt the praise that you're giving to Hashem because you're not really asking for yourself. 
It's yeah. you know, you're asking for the whole sibber. So something as important as that, Hashem doesn't mind if you stop the praise in the middle. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. I presume. Okay. So, uh, let's carry on. Omar Rav Yehuda, says Rav Yehuda. Sorry, no, we said that. Ton Rav Sorry, story. There, there was a, a certain Talmud, a student, Shiyorid Lefnei Teva, he was a chazan, Bifnei Rebeleza, in the presence of Rebeleza. He took too long. Right? Something we can all relate to. So his Talmudim said to him, Rabbeinu, Kama Orkan who's there, he's taking so long, he's schlepping. So Rebeleza said to them, he is not prolonging his tefillahs more than Moshe Rabbeinu. About whom it's written, He went at 40 days and 40 nights, and he was doubling all the time by Yispalel. The Posset says by Yispalel, 40 days and 40 nights. So I'm not suggesting that we should take 40 days and 40 nights, but you can see that, you know, it, it, at certain times it's the right thing to have a very long doubling. So therefore, that's how Rebeleza answered it. Now, something happened again. It happened again that somebody went in front of the table, again, in front of the same Rebeleza, and he was too quick. He's rushing. Rebeleza said to them, our same Moshe Rabbeinu who dubbed 40 days and 40 nights, he also said a very short filler. As it says in the Pesach, Kale not when Miriam got saras, she got leprosy, Tokoloshmara. Kale not refort not lot. Five words. Please Hashem, please heal her. And that was it. So the Masha explains, and he says like this, it is the same Moshe Rabbeinu who done very, very long, who we learn out that you, you can done long if it's appropriate, the same person, Moshe Rabbeinu, who done very short. So it indicates that at some times it's appropriate to done a great length, and sometimes you shorten it. So why was it the 40 days and 40 nights that came after the Egel? The Egel was a very, very serious Avera, and it was done by many, many people, so therefore Moshe Rabbeinu had to take a long time over that 40 days and 40 nights. On the other hand, the Avera, which Miriam did of Lashon Hara, that only involved herself. She spoke the Lashon Hara. Therefore, it was enough for a short tale of Kael Norofon Olof. Am Reb Yaakov, Am Reb Chistos, and Reb Yaakov, the name of Chistos, called him Avakash Rachamim Anyone who is davening for Rachamim, any sorts of Rachamim, Rafur, whatever it is, Panasa, anything, you're, you're asking for Rachamim for a friend, you don't have to mention their name when you dub them for them. Where do we know that? Because when Moshe Rabbeinu are dubbed for Miriam, he just says, Please Hashem, please Hila. He doesn't mention the name of Miriam at all. So therefore we learn out, you don't actually have to mention the name. Now, the, the Maril says this only applies when you're not, when you're in the presence of the person who you're davening. That was the case with Moshe with Miriam. But otherwise, you should mention the actual name. And as we know, you know, in, in Rafa'enu, you've got a special tefillah where you specifically mention, mention the names. 
So, um, it's, sorry, should I have Kel Norofon or Lava like a Matkosh Miriam without mentioning Miriam's name? There is a safe of Magitalumus which says, it doesn't say Miriam explicitly, but it alludes to her. And he says, the, wo- the words Rafona is a gematria of 332. And that's the same gematria as Miriam Yechebed. In that, it shouldn't really be Miriam Bas Yechebed, but Miriam Yechebed is, uh, it, it, Miriam and her mother is the same gematria as 332. So, so what he says is even though he doesn't mention the name of Miriam in Kale Norofon Allah, but he alludes to it. But we see from here that if you, certainly if you're in front of a, uh, of a, of a chayla, you don't have to actually mention the name. Tom Rabbonot. Eilu brachas she'olam shaykhabahen. These are the brachas, Jerusalem and Esra, which a person bows down to. But others, t'chila v'sof. Others, that means t'chila is at the beginning of Shemana Esra, when you say brachas Hashem at the beginning, and at the end of that bracha, Mogen Avraham. And Bahadar, during Maidim, again, Tchil when you say Maidim, and when you say, That's the soft. That's the end. So in other words, Chazal have said there are four places where you need to bow down. Others, Tchil and Hadar, Tchil Vasof. And if somebody wants to bow down at the end of every bracha, at the beginning of every bracha, we teach him not to bow down except in the four places that where, where we're told by Chazal that, that you should do it. And the reason, Tosas explains that the reason for this is, is this, because if somebody, if, if people can start bowing down whenever they want, then some people get the impression that it's voluntary. If you want, you bow down. You see, some people do bow down, some people don't bow down. So it's voluntary. If it's voluntary, I don't have to do it at all. So in, therefore, that's why Chazal said, just stick to the four places which Chazal um, decided that's where you should bow down. An ordinary person should conduct himself exactly as we said, and bow down at the four places indicated, obvious in beginning and end, and might in beginning and end. However, in addition to the four, he also bows at the end of every single brocha. Raj explained that the more important a person is, the more prominent a person is, the more he's got to humble himself in front of Hashem. And therefore, that's a form of humbling by bowing down. Therefore, he should in addition to the four brachas, he's going to do it at the end of each bracha as well. Melech, a, a king, a king who's even more important than a kind godl, he is going to do kol bracha 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 bracha. He's got the beginning of every bracha and at the end of every bracha. says it was explained to me in the name of Rabshur ben Levi, a slightly different version. Namely, Hedyat Kamashah Manu, an ordinary person should conduct, conduct himself, as we said before, that you just bow down at the four places. Previously, we said the Kaingodl is beside Kobrochah Brochah. Here we say it's at the beginning, but the Mephoshim explained what it means is at the beginning and at the end. So you do both. Ha-melech, the Melech Kim Chakorah, 
And King, once he bows down, right at the beginning, Shuvay Nezaykev, he never straightens up at all until he obviously finishes Shuvay Nezaykev. In other words, the whole Shemanestra is going to be very fit, the Melech, to be able to bow down uh, and, and stay in a bound position for quite a period of time. Where do we know this? From the Posuk. He got up, he rode before from the Mizbeah Hashem, from kneeling on his knees. In other words, he'd be kneeling on his knees the whole Shmanesra, and then he got up. In Masech's Rosh Hashanah, we say that a melech is nidden b'chol yom, is judged every single day. So every day is like a Rosh Hashanah to him, and then we know when he comes to Rosh Hashanah, a person does, uh, some people bow down a little bit, a bit more than usual. So that's another reason why a melech has got to sort of bow down all the time. Uh, Gerald? Yes. It actually says that Shlomo Melech um, was kneeling on his knees, yes? Yes. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. It's not yes. quite exactly what we're saying because here we're talking about bowing down. Yes, yes. But what it does show is that since Shlomo Melech, he was a melech and he stayed in the same position, the whole Shmanesra, therefore we who've got, therefore a melech who's got to bow down should stay in the same position, the whole Shmanesra, i.e. keep in a bound position. Because I thought it's forbidden for us to kneel because of ah, Christianity. Ah, that's very good. Actually, as it so happens, the very next piece of Gomorrah is going to be talking about kneeling. So I'll tell you what, we'll just do that. And um, I think that's it. We'll finish. We'll, we'll finish there. Tom Rabbonon, Kida ala paim. Kida means to bow down on your face. Shereh mava tikkud vasheva apaim oret. Vasheva bow down on her face to the ground. Now, the, uh, the, is Rashi, not here, but in Megillah and in Sukkot explains that Batikad means, um, a person brings his face to the ground and the only thing that he uses to support him is his two thumbs. And they used to do this at the Simchas Pesach and it's something very difficult to do. Now, it's interesting because in this week's Pasha, we've got that the brothers bowed down to Yosef Ayikad Vayishtachavu. There, Rashi says, just bending of the head. But here we're referring where you sort of go right down, put your face to the floor, and you're just supported by your thumbs. So that's called kiddo. Kriya, when you use the word kriya, means you go down on the knees. Shenem, as it says, the posse that we just quoted about, Shama Melech, Mekriya Al-Birkov. He's kneeling on his knees. And hishtachavor, the hishtachavor, that means when you use that loshon, zupishut yudayim raglayim. That is prostrating yourself fully on the ground. Shenema, as it says in the Possek, next week's Pasha, Havanova, shall I and your mother, Imchon, your mother, Vachechon, your brother, to prostrate ourselves on the ground. And what they say is, Rashi says, because it uses the word Arzot to the ground, it implies that the entire body is stretched out on the ground. So these are sort of various different terms for bowing. We've got Kidor, we have got Kriya, and we've got Hishtachavor. And one of the requirements of davening that we, we have something called Nephilus Apayim, which we call Tachanun. Nephilus Apayim literally means falling on your face. Well, we don't do that. They leaned on their sides rather than fully prostrate themselves. And Rashi says this refers to Tachanun. All right, I think we'll leave it there because uh, now is something, it's, 
It's also talking about bowing down, but it sort of goes off at a tangent. So I wish you all a very good uh, holiday. Enjoy your last day of Hanukkah tomorrow, and we'll meet up again in 2021.